This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. It all seemed to start over who owned a pig. A feud that would last decades between the West Virginia Hatfields and the Kentucky McCoys. In 1878, there was already stress between the two clans because of what had happened and transpired through the Civil War and who was allegiant to the Confederates and who was allegiant to the Unions. But when a McCoy killed a Hatfield and a pig was in the middle, an all-out war started. And it was all on the crazy train. And they were barreling down that track as fast as they could possibly go. Full steam ahead. Both sides regularly killing and beating and kidnapping the other side. At one point, one McCoy woman ran off and had an affair with a Hatfield boy. That didn't help. It got so bad that the state governors had to get involved and call out the militia to help settle down what had happened between these two clans. Decades in the brewing, decades in the fighting, decades in the warring. And it wasn't until 1891 both families decided to call a truce between the two of them. Now, from what I am told, they'll actually get together and have family reunions together. And in 2003, both sides appeared on Family Feud. <laughs> they invented the term Family Feud. But it takes decades of healing and talking and walking and crying to get to that place, doesn't it? Because once you get on the crazy train, it's really hard to slow that thing down. Anger can get it going. Sorrow, sadness, depression can get it going. Do you know what it means to get caught on the crazy train? You know that feeling? Someone says something that sparks something and off we go. For some, it lights a fire of rage. For others, it turns into cold depression and withdrawal. But it affects everyone around you. It can turn a simple family evening into a train wreck. Can't it? Yet the Apostle Paul said, let your attitude be like that of Christ Jesus. How you respond, how you treat others, let it be the way Christ responds. Let it be the way that Jesus acts. Let your attitude be like that. To another church, you say, you can be angry. You can be mad. But don't you sin in the process. Let your attitude be like that of Christ Jesus. Maybe we would all say at times our emotions have gotten the better part of us and wreckage was serious. Can anyone testify to that? I've done a whole lot of hurt because I hopped on the crazy train. Something got broken and someone was broken as a result. Something got kicked and relationships were pushed away. Something was said and something was done. And like a long line of train cars that is your family and everyone attached to you, you took everyone spinning, you took everyone flying, and you wrecked, and they experienced the wreckage. Such is life on the crazy train. 
Keeping our feelings under control is a part of becoming more like Jesus. Tempering, not losing our temper. Learning how to let out steam versus blowing our lids. Can you imagine Jesus with anger issues? Could you imagine a Jesus who had anger issues? Who had forgiveness issues? Who had depression issues? Can you imagine a Jesus with anxiety disorders? Can you imagine that kind of Jesus? The disciples come up to Peter. Hey, where's Jesus at? He won't come out of his throne. The Pharisees said something last night and it made him sad. And so he's eating Doritos and watching Golden Girls. Can you imagine Jesus like that? Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, yeah, we have this image of Jesus, and sometimes we like to justify our own actions. Well, Jesus got mad at the temple, and he's flipping tables. Yeah, that's a very specific prophetic act, and Jesus was doing a very specific thing. I would not compare what you just did with what Jesus has done. But could you imagine if Jesus had anger issues? Like something out of a Marvel movie where he just gets mad, snaps his fingers, and you're gone. Or like an Indiana Jones movie, and he just melts your face. Could you imagine Jesus with forgiveness issues? Jesus, please forgive me. No. I know what you did. I know what you said. Can we be thankful that Jesus doesn't have forgiveness issues? (laughs) I know. I know, right? (laughs) We just finished seven-week study on physical healing, letting God heal the physical parts of us. And there's place for that in the story of God. But much of what we experience from a physical level oftentimes is rooted in internal emotional struggles and strains that were rooted decades ago. So what if we took three weeks just to slow down a little bit? This week to to look at someone who seemed to know how to stay on track emotionally. We're going to look at Psalm 42 and learn from this person. Next week, we're going to be out there celebrating. What time's church next week? Where is it? Here. Here. It's not at Bador's farm. It's not some other place. We're here. What time? 11. How many gatherings? When you show up at Bador's farm at 9 o'clock and want to know where the picnic is, I will laugh at you over the phone. Just saying, no, I'm good. It'll be a great celebration. It's going to be wonderful. Meal's going to be catered, bounce house, Kona ice. It's going to be a great time of song and celebration. After that, we're going to talk about why we get derailed by anger when we come back. And maybe for you, that's the thing. You know, you know what you can do when you get angry. Got a little Bruce Banner going. And then I'm going to step back for a week, a little family vacation. Aaron Gosser's going to talk. Um, last time it was Jesus Burger. This time it's Holy French Fries. I'm just kidding. I'm just busting on you, man. <laughs> what is it? Jesus Burritos. Keeping it all wrapped up. Yeah, right? Holy Nachos. Holy Nachos. Yeah, no. But he'll be speaking. Uh, and then when I come back, we'll do the last part, which is being derailed by sorrow and sadness. For some of us, the issue is like, Aah! for some of us, it's like, hmm. The psalmist talks about both of those.
So if you would, all together, let's look at Psalm 42, 1 through 11. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. How do we stay on track? How do we not get derailed by our emotions? What do we do with our emotions? Psalm 42, I'm going to read in verses 1 down through 11. You follow along. Um, you can follow up on the screen. You can follow in your copy. I really encourage people to bring a Bible. Let me read for you. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In your notes, together, let's make some observations. The first one is this. People with lives on track, not derailed by their emotional responses, they reflect on their feelings. They reflect on their feelings. Let's write that down together. Did you notice twice, twice repeated in this poem, the same two lines, verse 5 and verse 11? He asks, why are you cast down, O my soul? It says it twice. Okay. In, in their custom, in this poetry, that's a way of drawing our attention. It's not bad writing. It's his way of saying, this is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to notice. They don't allow their emotions to drive them. This person has learned to reflect on, to think about. Their mind rises above to look upon the current situation. Why do I feel this way? Why am I sad in this moment? What has truly, actually upset me? What has triggered this in me? We're not saying that our emotions don't belong, but they certainly don't belong in the engineer chair of the train. I have sons that want to drive. None of them are allowed to drive. Okay? That was good. I didn't do that one, but that was good. 
My sons are not legally allowed, capable, have permission. I am not going to go to Jackson after church and say, hey, Jackson, why don't you drive the family home? Let's all pile in the car. Jackson, you've never been in this seat before. Jackson, you can't even reach the pedals. Jackson, you drive us. It will go great. In fact, I want you to take us on 75. See how fast you can get this thing to go. Jackson does not belong there. Your emotions do not belong in the driver's seat of your life. I'm not saying there's not a place for emotions on the journey, but they certainly should not be deciding how fast we go and where we go and what we do. Why must we think first? Because truth is, you already think first. The reason you feel what you feel is because you think what you think. We are prone to project the responsibility of our emotions on the situation around us. We pass the buck. He makes me sad. She made me angry. They did this. They said that. As in the situation happens, my emotion kicks up, and then we deal with the carnage. What we need to realize is the reason you feel the way you feel is because you think the way that you think. Let me illustrate it very simply. Uh, Imagine I have a garden hose, just a simple garden hose, a little coil of garden hose, and I'm going to pick up the garden hose. I'm going to walk over in front of all of us. I'm going to set that garden hose at my wife's feet. Okay? Okay? What is my wife's emotional response going to be to the garden hose? I think this is a garden hose. She's not going to freak out over the garden hose. It's just a garden hose at her feet. Imagine, if we will, now she is in the backyard in the tall grass. And all of a sudden she steps on something and she looks down at this coiled thing. And she has concluded what? How will she respond? What's the feeling going to be? Fear, anger, whatever the host of heaven might decide to channel through her in that moment. Okay? It's just a garden hose. Why is she responding emotionally the way that she's responding emotionally? She's feeling the way she feels because she is thinking the way she thought. She thought it was A, and so she that. We always think before we feel. If we don't like the way we are feeling, we need to change the way we are thinking. This person has learned to reflect on, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? What's going on? What has led me to the place where I have concluded this? The wise person slows down to ask, why am I feeling this way? So let's imagine, then maybe this is a, situ- a situation, a scenario that some of you have walked in, and unfortunately, maybe some of you walk in on a daily basis. The day has beat the snot out of you. Work has beat the snot out of you. Reality has beat the snot out of you. Emotionally, you got nothing left. Mentally, you got nothing left. You walk in already ready to snap. You feel it boiling up. And the kids are just playing. The kids are just doing what kids do. Okay? They're just being kids. Laughing. Enjoying. And everything that comes out of their mouth, you can just feel it. 
Your toes are curling. You just, you're beginning to. It is that boiler pot on that engine, and it's about ready to blow gaskets. All of a sudden, one of them bumps one of the kids, and they bump a table, and it knocks a picture frame on the ground. Option one. We let our feelings drive the train. We snap. We scream. And like that picture frame, we break our kids in the process. How many of you are aware of option one? I'm not saying you do it. I'm just saying you know that that's there. It's possible. You know of people that might option one sometimes. Okay, got it. Option two. Option two. You're like the poet here. And you reflect. You feel it and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do I feel this way? What am I thinking? What's going on? I'm about to scream at my kids and they're just enjoying life. They're just laughing. Yeah, accidents happen and things get knocked over. Why am I targeting them? What has brought me to this place? Is it control issues? Is it self-worth issues? Is the problem really something at work? Is the problem really something with my spouse? Is the problem really something in the bank account? Is the problem really something with God? If that's the issue, why am I about to unleash on them? Reflecting does a few important things in my experience. It immediately puts the brakes on the emotions that are ready to jump in and push that throttle forward and see what that train can do. Yeehaw! Let's see what's going to happen. It immediately sabotages that habit. It gives us, um, it creates space to ask questions when I begin to reflect. It gives me a chance to see, hey, this is how I'm going to respond. Does that, does that equal the issue? Okay, they knocked over a picture frame. The picture frame's not even broken. I was going to take their heads off. Is that, is that a line? Is that right? Is that best? And it actually puts you back in the driver's seat of the situation and not your emotions. I know for some of us, we're talking a lot about conditioned responses. And there's some real difficult things to unlearn. But we have to learn to slow down and reflect and step away sometimes. On a scale of 1 to 10, next to that fill-in, give yourself a grade. Next to that feeling, one to ten. No one's looking, no one's peeking, it's just your number. How do you do? How well are you are, are reflecting? One to ten. If you wanted to take a little bit farther, what would your spouse say? What number would your spouse give you? Your significant other? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend? What would your kids say? Would they be afraid to say? Another observation. People with lives on track who don't get derailed by their emotions, they know how to express their feelings. They know how to express them. Let's write that down together. If you're online, maybe write that down on a piece of paper. Express their feelings. Research project from the University of Michigan did an 18-year-long study 18-year-long study. They followed 700 people. This is one of the conclusions that they came to. 
Women who suppress their anger until a boiling point are three times more likely to die early from anything. Now, maybe some of those who've learned how to express their anger, other people die. (laughs) So maybe this is a sword that cuts both ways. But they did. Women who suppress, suppress the anger, keep it down until things explode, they are three times more likely to die from anything. This poet, this person, has learned how to express. Look at some of the language. If you just to go through, to survey through, and let me just, just listen. In verses 5 and verse 11, they say, I'm in turmoil. In verse 9, I feel forgotten. In verse 4, I pour out my soul. Let's drill down on this one. Verse 2 and 3, if you look at your copy, verse 2 and 3, and maybe Lola can bring up, bring up some. In verse 2, he says this, my soul thirsts. See, my soul thirsts for God. The living God. And then look at verse 3. We'll bring up verse 3. Okay. My tears have been. See, that's kind of parallel. They kind of go together. They feel like they belong. Right in the middle of that is this line. When shall I come and appear before God? It's called an interjection. Okay. It's a very emotionally written phrase. It's basically an outburst. You know those outbursts. Oh, come on. Seriously. How many of you are familiar with that? You have a language all your own, right? This person has learned how to express their feelings. For some of us, the first part is the challenge. For some of you, reflecting on emotions is your challenge. For you, you feel it, you share it, right? There's no gap in the middle. I feel it, I'm going to share it. I'm angry, you'll know it. I'm sad, you'll know it. There's no gap in there. You need to learn how to slow down and reflect on. For me, reflection is easy. I, where'd my stool go? Oh, I could, I could reflect all day long. And it looks like this. Hmm. Hmm. Kids walk by. My wife will walk by. The world goes by. I have no difficulty sitting and thinking about what I'm thinking about, thinking about what I'm feeling. I'm just built that way. I'm wired that way. It just has to do with my personality. I have a feeling, and then all of a sudden, a switch goes, ka-ching. well, let's think about that. Let's talk about that. It's just the way I'm built. Not all of you are built that way. You know what's hard for me? Point number two, expressing my feelings. That's hard. Thank God for a patient wife. She's even been, there's been times, like I am caught in the middle trying to process this emotion, this feeling like a rainbow cat riding on a unicorn. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm just like, like some caveman that got stuck in the 21st century. What is that? And I grunt and I groan and I drool. And she will ask me polite questions. She not nagging. She not being mean. She just wants to know, hey, are you okay? It's difficult for me to express my feelings. 
Maybe some of you know people like that. Any of you know people like that? Gosh, I love the spouses just looking and staring at each other. Like, oh, we're talking about this today. It's getting on. Did you write that down? Let me write it down for you. The context of this poem, some people think, was written by David at a very, very difficult time in his life. He had failed to come to the defense of his daughter when one of his daughters was raped by one of his sons. And one of the... David, lots of wives, you know this was another problem, okay? Lots of kids, lots of half-siblings. The brother to the girl went and took his brother that raped and killed him and then basically staged in a coup and chased David out on his own. Talk about emotional baggage. Talk about issues. And yet within all of that, David seems to have, maybe reflecting back, he he captures and expresses his emotions. I feel like a deer on the run from hunters. Tears are my food. I feel like I'm caught in a storm at sea and I'm being tossed against the rocks like, like water spouts churning and churning and spinning and I'm crashed upon the breakers. This is my soul. I get, for a lot of us, that's beyond any of us from an articulation. Like, you ain't spouting out poetry like that when you share your feelings. It's a little bit beyond. So let's not make it complicated. Three. I'm sad. No, don't write anything down. This is something else. Three things. You guys are good. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm hurt. You can cover a lot of ground with those three words. And you welcome in a whole lot of grace from God and through his church if you learn those three words. How are you? Sad. All right. Thank you. How are you? Mad. Okay. Thank you. I'm hurt. This hurts. They hurt. That hurts. What we don't ever want to do and must resist the habit of continuing is misrepresenting how we were really doing. How are you? I'm. Oh, you guys, you knew it was coming, right? I'm fine. While the, on the inside, you are this tumultuous storm. You are water spouts billing. You, got, you just feel like you're drowning. There's anger, there's rage, there's depression, there's anxiety. All these, the last thing that you are is fine. And so you will lie. You have chosen the path of lying because that always makes it better. Lying to someone who cares enough to ask, and that's special. If you have someone who actually asks, that's special. You've decided to lie to them and push them away under the belief that this will fix it. Let me illustrate it for you. song came out, oh, early 80s. Praise song. It goes like this. Maybe you'll recognize it. 
The deer panted for the waters, so my soul longeth after thee. Maybe you recognize that song? I think some of you recognize that. Is it, is it beautiful? It's a pretty song. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. So pretty. Such a pretty song. Based on Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Completely misses everything that the poet actually said. Look at what he's saying. I feel like my life is a shipwreck. I feel like I am in the middle of a storm. I am exhausted. I am drained. I'm like a deer running for its life. That's what's going on on the inside. Hey, how are you doing? Just happy to be in the house of the Lord. How are you? I'm fine too. I'm so glad that we're fine. In reality, how do we feel? I, I, I. Some of you have no idea why that was entertaining. But you're afraid if you don't laugh, then people will know. But that's okay. It was Ozzy Osbourne, and he did bite the head off of a bat. And some of you have already decided to email me after church about how irreverent I am. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) Go start your own church. (laughs) All right, that one was too far. (laughs) But that's, that's how I feel. I feel, ah! I hurt. This poet has learned to express that. Scale of one to ten, how are you? At expressing. Write yourself. I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Moms, stop badgering your kids. They know they need to grow in this area. What would your family say? What would your friends say? How rich would they be if you said fine every single time? What, they got a nickel every time you said fine. How are you? This poet says, my soul is cast down. I'm sad. Third thing, write this down. People with lives on track, not derailed by their emotions, direct their feelings to God. They express their emotions, but they direct the energy, the force, the target is God. Direct their feelings to God. If you look at verse 6. Lola, could you bring up verse 6 for us? He asks, he responds, My soul is cast down, therefore I remember you. That's where the energy goes. That's where the force goes. 
It's where the anger goes, the sadness goes. He's angry towards, he's sad towards. She's not going to unleash on her kids. She's not going to unleash on her spouse. He's not going to unleash on his employees. He's not going to unleash on his boss. He's not going to unleash on the bottle. They're okay with the tension. If you look at verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Talk about being emotionally okay. Talk about being okay with God. They are okay with the mystery. God, I know you're my rock. God, I know you're dependable. I really feel like you've left me hanging. I really feel like you've forgotten me. Verse 2, where are you at, God? Here's a person mature in their relationship with God that they know God welcomes their pain, welcomes their anger, welcomes their frustration, welcomes their tears. His arms are big enough. Ear open, eye seeing. They're not going to unleash on their family. They're driven to God's presence. Yeah, a real complexity and a real mystery here. And they're okay with the complexity. They've grown into that. And I know for a lot of us, I'm not in that place. Like, God, you said this. I feel this. We got issues. Or like, God, I don't even know that we can have that conversation. Like I said, I have a hard time expressing my feelings. Men, we need to grow in this area. Guys, we need to grow in this area. She is not your emotional punching bag because you haven't grown up yet. Your kids are looking to you to know how to respond in the situations of life. I don't know if my dad was good at this. I don't know. Um, I like to think, and I believe that my dad's probably better than most dads. I do know that whenever dad got real close to um, real emotional, volatile moments, he would leave. He would just get in the car and he would go. For, not, not for like days or weeks, just for a couple hours. Why? He had a dad that when his dad got mad, he would bang his head off of a wall. And my dad did not want to be that. And he really valued the relationship he had with his kids. But while at the same time, I didn't get to see dad work that out. I didn't get to see dad like that. And so I struggle at times when I have certain emotions, when I have certain feelings of knowing. So for me, hey, thanks be for a very patient wife. I'm sad. That's what I can do right now. I'm mad. That's what I can handle right now. But the energy is directed towards God. God, we need to talk about this. God, I know what's going on. And I know how they've disappointed and they've hurt me, but you and I need to talk about it. It's directed up. Send it up before you blow up. Outward becomes wrath. Inward becomes depression. And we'll talk about those in a few weeks. But let me ask you, who gets the brunt of your pain? Who gets the brunt of your pain? And maybe that's something that we need to repent from. 
Fourthly, people with lives on track, not derailed, help others grow. They commit to help others grow. Very beginning of this psalm, there's a header, it's a description. The Maskil, the sons of Korah. Maskil, M A S K I L, means poem of instruction. It's a teaching poem. It's meant to guide people, to remind them of a story, a context, to teach them relationship, to teach them how to maneuver certain things. The poet had enough emotional maturity to say, you know what, I want to help other people go through what I've gone through. Here are words to help them articulate what I was feeling. And so it would be passed on and passed on and passed on. Parents, we must get this figured out. Do you hear me? Grandparents, if you got kids that are watching, you need to get this figured out. Because they will do exactly what you do. They'll do it better, though. They will do exactly what they've seen you do. They'll just do it a whole lot better. Because you modeled it for them, and then they get to practice it. Which means for you, if that means because you don't know how to deal with the pain, you numb it with a bottle, oh, they'll take that to varsity. If you don't know how to, and so you, you suppress it and you bury it, you'll never know what they're thinking. You'll never know what they're feeling because they saw you not work through it and they just learned how to do it better. But the crazy, that crazy train always catches up with you. If you have a habit of screaming, don't you dare get mad at them when they scream back. That's what you taught them to do. That's all. God has hardwired this discipling relationship between parents and kids. Now, it's there for our benefit, right? It's there so that the kids learn how to maneuver certain things. They look for that modeling. It's, it's, just, it's a natural exchange. So we have to learn how to leverage that, which means we have to learn how to deal with our emotions. Start reflecting. Start expressing. Start directing. Here's a couple suggestions on how to get things on track and how to stay on track. On the bottom of your notes, there's a set of train tracks. Uh, white box on the top, white box on the bottom, two rails, Top rail put think, bottom rail put worship. Think and worship. Just like that. Thanks, Lola. Think. What does that mean? You have three seconds. You have a three second window before your emotions hop in the engineer's seat and drive that train. Three seconds to respond, three seconds to short circuit. Three seconds to step in and say, whoa, time out. Can we talk about this? In the same way you've got about three seconds when you deal with any temptation, any, any response that comes your way. Yeah, you're good. Fast. That's awesome. That's good. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Three seconds to decide, I'm going to step back. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to figure out what the best response is. Three seconds to grab the brakes and to walk away. Because your response is on you. No one makes you angry. No one makes you sad. We need to start thinking about what we're thinking about to figure out why we're feeling the way we're feeling. You never have permission to beat others because of your own brokenness. To make others suffer at the hands of your own sadness. 
Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about taking every thought captive, renewing your mind, intentionally saying, I am going to get into this. You got three seconds. We'll talk about this more and more over the next couple of weeks as we come together again. The poet said, my soul is downcast, therefore I remember you. There's a worship response. Her goal is to come before God again. He remembers, she remembers, leading the crowds in song and dancing and delighting in the presence of God, of walking in the love of God. That's why twice, twice he asks, twice she asks, why do I feel this way? Hope in God. Hope in God. I look to God's deliverance. I sing of God's love who loves me during the day and remembers me at night. I offer up a word of prayer to him. This poem itself is a declaration of God's love and presence in the middle of great emotional pain. Salvation, great, so great is his salvation. And this is, this is real guttural worship. This is real tears. This is real anger. This is real hurt. It's where words give way to groans and groans give way to, 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 to crying and crying gives way to just an all-out exasperation before the presence of God falling there because sometimes there just aren't words. Reflecting, expressing, directing, helping. Your days don't need to end in train wrecks. And your family doesn't have to suffer. We can get to a place of both healing and praise. So let's learn how to get that train back on track. Two options for you. Two options. The first one is that, co- that connection card, that communication card. Tear that off. Everyone tear it off. Just rip. Rip. Healthy expression of anger. Rip. How dare he say those things to me? Rip. Ozzy Osbourne. Seriously? Rip. What kind of church is this? It's a real one. For you, the greatest expression of courage and bravery this morning is simply writing down your name and writing down the word train wreck and putting that in the basket as it goes by. Maybe for you, you know how bad it is. And you have a pretty good idea that others are starting to find out too. And so for the sake of your kids... Write down your name. Write down the word train wreck. We can get through this together. We'll sit down. We'll pray. We'll start to talk. Work through this. Another option. Come on up. Grab a stone. Let's put it up at the cross. Let's take some ownership. Let's enter into the conversation with God. God, I feel this way. I will hope in you. Myself, elders spiritual moms, fathers, let them just sit and talk with you and begin the journey of healing. Begin that process. Artists, would you come up? Ah, there's a third option. There's a third option. I forgot this one. Uh, it's not do anything. And you know how that ends, don't you? Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. 
If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.